It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from under an umbrella here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us again, Carrie Whitmer. Thank you for coming back, Carrie, to talk about this film. Thank you for having me. Well, I, um, I reached out got, to Phil? Carrie. Uh, well, when I reached out to Carrie, um, I sent her the list of movies, and this was on there. And Carrie, you said this is one of your favorite books, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I have not read the book. I don't know if, Kenny, you've read the book. No, of course not. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to make any assumptions. <laughs> um, but uh, so 
I guess, first of all, why do you love the book? Second of all, how do you feel about the, the adaptation of it? Oh, I'm really bummed you guys haven't read it. It's so good. Um, yeah, I love sure the book because... Uh, gosh, no it's one Graham has asked Green, me that correct? a long time. It's Graham it's Green. Graham Green. Yeah. So first of all, Graham Green is probably my favorite fiction writer. Um, I would say I, I, I think that he's kind of like the British F. Scott Fitzgerald, I would say. Um, okay. So it, it's very similar style and very similar themes and um, characters like, and, like that. And I think it's my favorite novel because a lot of things that like I was reminded when I was watching the movie I think the religious themes like the conflict with God is really interesting because at the time I read it I was younger I was in college and I was like it was the first time I was away from home so I was just like realizing that like religion was just not something that mattered to me um so it really struck for 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 our listeners just to give a little bit of backstory (laughs) Carrie was raised in a somewhat religious or very religious household. Very, very Catholic, yeah. <clears throat> so that 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 I imagine yeah. colors your perspective of this. Film. Absolutely, and and I I think I also just like even though I didn't realize it the first time I read it when I was younger, I think I really like that the end of the affair kind of explores more vulnerability in male characters, um, sure. and I also think it's a very well written female character. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's an interesting. Um, so I saw this film in 99. I saw it in the theater. Um, I remember quite liking it. I remember that it was, you know, an Oscar Beatty movie came out in early December and, and um, <clears throat> was and continue to be a big fan of Julianne Moore. And we will do our top five Julianne Moore movies uh, at the end of the podcast. But I remember quite liking it. And then I remember it was pretty much disregarded. It was a movie that was kind of for, for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into. Um it, it it didn't really hit. And I think there's a couple reasons as to why. But watching it this time, I was really hit with just how kind of anti-religion it is. I mean, literally the end of this movie is the main character basically telling God to go fuck himself. Yeah. Like, it's kind, kind of, of crazy. Kind of. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how anti-religious it is. I mean, the main character is a piece of shit. And there's a miracle it is, at the true. end of the movie. So, like, but I think I, I think it's more about him feeling punished by God, I guess, on some level. And and any religious component that I feel Ben Bendrix has, he never really feels like a particularly religious person to begin with. He seems no, to have he, a resentment he's towards not, him. He's yeah, not. He's yeah. not. But the, but my but my my point yeah. is that it's not necessarily an a an a religious or anti religious yes. text. Yes. I that's true. I, <clears throat> we talk about the end at the end or we talk about it whenever sure. we want but but the fact that like there appears to have been an actual miracle that happened in this movie this is true too kind yes. of uh you know colors my my view of where of, of I mean, where, technically two miracles possibly depending on how you look at it yes him, him, him <laughs> surviving the bombing would be the second yeah. yeah so that that you know that's the thing that could happen a thing that sure. can happen yes. is a woman kissing someone's birthmark yes. and birthmark going true. away. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> less likely. Yeah. Yes, less likely. <laughs> so, um, so yes, yeah. so there, there, there are a couple of you know yeah. one and a half miracles in this movie, and that kind of I think that has to be taken into consideration. A hundred percent. I didn't mean to make it seem so binary. You're you're absolutely right. I think that the film is not necessarily. I guess I was surprised by the anti-religious component, whether or not the film is, and I, I would agree with you, Kenny, it's more balanced than I'm making it out to be. I was, I was surprised that that perspective existed within the film to the extent that it does. 
that was sort of what I found surprising about it, but yeah. and not in a bad way. I mean, I, I guess my, my point more than anything is I, I think there's a lot going on in this film. I think it's a better film than certainly than Roger Ebert thought. Um, and most critics uh, it's, and it kind of, and I say this, it kind of doesn't exist. It's not even really a movie with like with two big movie stars for all intents and purposes in a big sort of, and a big director, a lot of, you know, prestige, kind of um, pedigree to it uh, and it kind of doesn't exist. It's just interesting. Yeah, it definitely uh, it, it definitely feels like it doesn't exist. It feels like it came out in the wrong year. I mean, more than yeah, anything. Probably, probably, yeah. It, it felt like very... And I had seen the movie before about a very long time ago, probably like 10 years ago, and I didn't really remember the movie, um, mm-hmm. which isn't surprising because it's kind of like... I don't know. It, it, it feels like almost, I, I guess I would compare it to, I feel like what happens a lot of times now in like the peak TV era, I'll watch a show on Netflix in a weekend. And then a year later, someone asks me if I've seen it. And I said, no, I don't think so. Even though I definitely watched it. Yeah, I just yeah. like, mm-hmm. it was just, it's just like, so insignificant is me word, but well, ephemeral, I guess. Yes, yeah. 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 That's, that's a better, bigger word that I wouldn't have come up with <laughs> well, but in my I, brain. But, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like, Oh, like, I guess this exists. And it's well, fine. it's interesting because, like, I had the same feeling watching it this time as I did when I was watching it in 99, which is sitting in the theater, liking the movie. Then the movie's done and the movie kind of evaporates. Yes. And it's, and it's, which is, I can't even, I guess you got to hold it against the film that it doesn't have a lasting power and stay with you. But it also is a positive that when I'm sitting and watching it, I'm enjoying it. So it's, it, it's kind of odd. It's I kind of in its own way, Kenny, unlike anything or at least from a viewing perspective that I've had thus far, it feels like. Like, we've watched many films, Kenny, that I'm sure we don't remember that are just gone. Most. But, most. <laughs> but, I, but I would also say that, that those films also I didn't particularly enjoy when I was watching them. Oh, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I enjoyed this maybe a little less than you, but I wouldn't sure. say I didn't like it. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I definitely, like... I. I don't know. I, I, we, we, we've done movies that have kind of gone in one ear and the out ear, uh, the yeah. out the other ear a lot quicker than yes. this one. I think that the, interesting, it's Neil Jordan. It's our second Neil Jordan film. It the is. other film he did, I have literally no memory of, was in Dreams, right? It was in no, Dreams, and that no. movie. I'm surprised you don't remember that movie because that movie's Robert got some Downey arresting Jr. was in it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. It's a crazy person. Lots of apples. There's lots of orchards. Yeah. Oh, I think I've that. seen that one. I was yeah. Annette Benning. So I have yeah. absolutely yes, yes, yes. Julianne Moore's wife. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, indeed truly don't remember that film at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, I just remember thinking it was not good. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. And fair I enough. think this film <laughs> is almost really good. Am I crazy? Yes, yes. It's almost really good. Like, it's really well done. It's really powerful. I mean, you know, it has one of, I I couldn't help but look up in the middle of the, in the middle of watching it to see if the score was nominated. It wasn't. It should have been. It's a great score. It's an incredible score. It's a powerful score. It carries throughout the entire film. I think it's pretty clear what's going on. I mean, look, I have a bit of a allergy to, uh, I have a bit of an allergy to adultery movies. Um, Not always. 
But it does feel to me, adultery movies, adultery stories, it feels to me that when someone wants to make a movie about married adults in their yes. 40s and 50s, very often the only conflict anyone could think of is adultery. And uh, it's a little boring to me. Um, it always kind of ends fair. the same way. So the content of this film did not wow me. But the almost everything else about it did. Right. Yep. Like almost I, I I thought the visuals were great. I thought the, you know, the 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 setting among the, you know, the, the bombings of uh, London and the way they juxtapose that with, you know, the affair happening. I thought the mm-hmm. I thought the the chemistry between Julianne Moore and Ray Fiennes was pretty amazing. I thought Stephen Ray was really good. I, I really did think it was a really, really well done film. And I guess like. If you connected more with the material, I could say something. It was thinking it was just a great film. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I am, um, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I found myself taken with it um, in ways that I find perhaps hard to articulate. Um, it, it, it's, it's got this passion, but also this emotional yeah. reserved Britishness to it. Um, there's like this this kind of detachment that's there that feels realistic. Um, I love all the bombing stuff. Um, yeah, especially that's bombs spe- on this podcast. Yeah, who doesn't love bombs? Um, but, but also just like, there's things in it that shouldn't work and kind of don't work at times, but then do work. Like I think about the sex scene with the bombing and just thinking like, this is yeah. deeply melodramatic and this should not work. And yet somehow it's kind of working. Like it's doing a bunch of stuff that, that, that surprised me. Um, I, I think it needs to be said that I think one of the reasons this film didn't connect as well as The English Patient, I love The English Patient, but I do feel like, and apparently Kristen Scott Thomas was almost cast in this, which would have been insane. Like, Ooh. I don't know what, like, just because no, like, why would you want to bring right. on all that baggage? No. But also just like, there is, you know, a, it's it's based on a lauded piece of literature. It has sort of this adultery love triangle component to it. It's got war times. Like it's got all the kind of things that sort of exist. They're very different films, but tonally, but I couldn't help but feel like perhaps there was a, uh, an unfair comparison that was going on to this film. Yeah. I, I, uh, you guys, based on all of the things you like about the movie, you would both really, really like the book. <laughs> Should we read the book I, someday, Kenny? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty short. Like it's, it's a pretty easy book to read. Um, but, um, I actually, I, I really, this, this, the movie made me really, really want to reread it because mm. it's been a while since I read it. So there's things that I don't exactly remember. I like, I couldn't remember like the kid with the birthmark. I'm like, is that in the book? Cause I, Truly right. do not remember. Um, I think it would I, have to be, right? I mean, I don't know. To Kenny's point, um, it feels like th- that miracle is so but important. Then th- exactly. But then the thing is, if it was in the book, I feel like I would remember how weird that is. Um, <laughs> Kenny's, Kenny just uh, walked oh, away yeah. for a quick second. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I, I think that it's... I have not read the book, so obviously I don't know yeah. what's in the book. Um, but that being said, I do feel like it's such a perfect period at the end of this sentence that it'd be surprising if it wasn't. Yeah. It's, it, it, I, I will say as a, I think that most, especially modern film adapt adaptations of books try a little too hard to sure. be like, we're going to have our own 
like angle on this book. So yeah. like the Baz Luhrmann, Great Gatsby probably would have been great if they didn't add that whole thing where Nick Carraway is like in a home or whatever. Like that was so weird and so unnecessary. Yeah, it was like a weird uh, organizing principle they wanted, like yes. this kind of fractured narrative. But when yeah. it's like, that's a perfect book to adapt yes. into a screenplay. Yeah. You barely have straight. to do anything. I think The End of the Affair is a pretty complicated book to adapt because a lot of the book is um, Bentrix reading Sarah's diary. So you're reading like a lot of letters and a lot of entries and they do a quite excellent job at Mm -hmm. depicting that because it's, I think that's the most complicated thing to adapt is like a character reading from something that they found in the book. Like it's boring exposition. Um, yeah, on the page I, it's not, but no, totally. It's it's it is interesting the way that um, the way the films adapted. Again, have not read the book. I'm assuming that the book is chronologically a relatively straight line, or is it old flashbacks? No, the, it's it's the, similar. It's very okay. similar. It's very nonlinear. Um, Which is I, one of the great things about the movie. I yes, think and and one of my favorite things about the book. I think it was one of it's like one of the earlier books i think that was experimenting with that um i mean i i'm not like the most i'm not the best literature expert but it, it definitely from that era i think that was pretty non-traditional um to tell stories in that way um but i will say i think the you guys were like pretty moved by it and thought it was very emotional for me i wanted more of that probably because i have more context i felt like the the scope felt very small even though it is a pretty small scale story it yeah. just i didn't get the best sense of the time period or their mm-hmm. relationship developing the, the actors are mm-hmm. amazing they're really good and i think they they do a pretty decent job at establishing them but i felt like there could have been more um that yeah they could no, have no done. i know what you're saying yeah uh, i i d- I definitely felt that they fell in love very quickly. So uh, I, I hate to be like, here's no, no, no. That, how yeah. it happened in the book. But one thing that I think could have improved the movie in the book, their relationship starts off quite antagonistic. Like Bentrix right. almost like makes, so Bentrix is like making fun of Sarah for who her husband is and how boring sure. he is. And so it lasts for a little bit. And he basically just, it, it's almost like that, rom-com trope where they hate each other and the guy's like right. so awful to her but then they fall in love or whatever which so, which i kind of needed a little bit of because yes. it did feel like they 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 fall in love very quick like it's a it's a very passionate thing very quickly um yes. so I, I i do think that it would have benefited from and i do think that Kenny, we were talking a little bit about the the fractured narrative, right? And the way that the movie is told, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is fascinating. And I think that they think that that opening portion is teeing up some of that passion so that when they meet, you don't need the ramp up. But I still think you do. Like, I I still don't, I I don't, I don't, I don't think it's totally there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But once it gets there, I bought it. you know what I mean? A little deeper into it, but the, the jumping around was kind of fascinating. It made me think of the show, the affair Mm -hmm. and the way that that's about like different perspectives on, on a love affair. And when the movie shifts perspectives 
at that seismic moment of the bombing where you see Sarah's perspective after Bendrix's perspective. I think that's all really cool stuff. Like, I think this movie is a lot bolder than I think people think it is. Like, it's, it's, I totally yeah. agree with you. You know what I mean? I totally agree with you. I think, I, uh, I mean, it's not, it, there is like a, some, some shared DNA with the affair, but this was more, this was, this was less about unreliable narrators. Yes. And more about, you know, different POVs, which is perfectly, you know, perfectly valid and, and an important way to tell the story. It also kind of answered the question I had the first half, which is why was Julianne more a lead actor in this film when she, you know, she she, she appears to just be at the, the dilemma. But I think they answer that question by the end. Yeah. Uh, Phil, did, uh, did this feel like... Mo- Moulin Rouge uh, stole some major aspects of this idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was another one that I thought of for sure. <laughs> the writer, the yeah. writer, starting it on the on the on yeah. the typewriter, on the typewriter typing and, about and how ending on the typewriter. It is the, yeah. the typewriter the with yeah. the woman dying and, of consumption. Yeah, and um, also just and and Ewan's character at the end, Christian's character, sort of you know. Uh, with his fist cursing to the sky, God, yeah, cursing yeah. God and fate and taking away his love. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I did that. That's a yeah. very yeah apt uh, yeah. connection. If this, I think if this, yeah. if this movie had some more pop songs, I think I might have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I was thinking about um, the other thing that really hit me. You, you mentioned, Kenny, the, the opening. Um, the photography in this film is stunning. Yes, um, it is. All of the close-up photography makes it feel claustrophobic. It makes you feel really pulled into... It made me think, actually, of, of The Insider as well, which does this, of, like, cameras very close to people's faces, really getting into their conversations, into their headspace. Um, it, it just... I remember being really taken with the photography back in the day, and, and now I often... I, off, I think, like, this film... I don't know if it was nominated for Best Cinematography. My assumption is that it wasn't. But um, beautifully, this movie, I guess, is deceptively simple, as I guess really maybe the best way to think about it. And I think that it's... it. It it it's it's a lot more challenging than than you would expect it to be. Um, I want to read the synopsis very quickly for our listeners who who have not seen it. In the years following World War II, writer Maurice Bendrix, played by Ray Fiennes has an unexpected run-in with Henry Miles, played by Stephen Ray, and his wife Sarah, played by Julianne Moore, with whom he once shared a passionate love affair. Henry, who never knew, confides in Maurice that he suspects Sarah of adultery, leading to the hiring of a detective, played by Ian Hart, to follow her. As Sarah never explained why she called if their affair, Maurice follows the investigation closely. His feelings for her reawakened. The end of the affair opened in limited release on December 2nd, 1999, uh, and then was released wide on January 21st, 2000. It would go on to make... million on a $23 million budget. It got 67% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 74% from audiences. I'm just going to read a a brief clip from Roger Ebert's two-and-a-half-star review where he says, the film, on the other hand, is as hangdog as Stephen Ray's face in the first scene. It's a story of characters who desperately require more lightness and folly. One can be grim in the confessional, but yet and yet be uh, permitted a skip in the step on leaving the church. The characters seem too glum. We see release but miss joy. Sarah and Maurice meet for energetic sex, but their conversation doesn't suggest the kind of idealism required by a great love. For a novelist, Maurice is surprisingly pedestrian in his speech. We have to hear him telling Sarah of his jealousy of her shoes because they take you away from me. Not impossible dialogue. Uh, 
we are reminded of Prince Charles's fantasies involving feminine hygiene products, uh, but we expect not all of us. <laughs> but we expect better <laughs> from a novelist. Um, first of all, I, I the, the shout out to to Prince Charles. Speaking of wanting to be um, Camilla's tampons, I think is what he is referring to. What? Yeah, that was a thing in I... their conversations. Um, my apologies for being crass, but that's what he said, and that's what he's referring to. So I'm just. Putting it out wow. there. I'm, I'm so embarrassed for him. 40 years. For, later. I would be embarrassed for Prince Charles too <laughs> in this situation. Chanel, that's so I mean, sad. Embarrassed yeah. for Prince Charles for many reasons, but this. Yeah. That's wow. it. So that's, that's what Ebert's one. referring to for people that don't know. How did you um, know that, Phil? Was that in the crown? Uh, no, it was in a. No, it wasn't. I, that's why I don't know crown. about it. It was, it was in. Not in the um, do you know the uh, the podcast uh, you don't know or you fuck, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, there was a podcast that did a very in depth like six part miniseries on Diana that I listened to. You're wrong about before. this. You're wrong about that's what it is. Um, and uh, it was amazing. Everyone should listen to it, yeah. and they go into explicit detail as to the conversations between Prince Charles. I don't. And- I don't think I need to listen to it anymore. I think you just gave away the ending. <laughs> but all that being said, <laughs> Ebert's review seems unnecessarily harsh. I don't yeah. think this film is lacking so, in poeticism. Let's figure out why, yep. what it was about this yep. moment that yes. lent itself to that kind of review. Because we see this a lot yes. on the podcast, I think, where some things hit 1999 yep. a lot differently than they hit 2021. And yep. I think some of that is because in the, in, in the 90s, while there's this indie revolution going on and while there are these, you know, quirky things like that we love, you know, being John Malkovich and election, like kind of towing the line between comedy and drama and all these other things that are, you know, these big budget Jurassic Park epics. There are also a lot of costume. This is really costume drama, but a lot yeah. of period, period, a lot yeah. of period drama with literary bona fides. Mm-hmm. And this feels like, and, and, and they would all kind of follow the exact same rollout. They would be dropped in December they would almost always get a Best Actress nomination, and that's it, or maybe Best Costume dom- nomination. Um, they would always make about 10 to $30 million, and they would almost always be forgotten. And some of them are really kind of you know bad, and some of them win Best Picture, like uh, English Patient. But I do feel like there, there was some fatigue at this point when it comes to a film like this. Um, Watching it twenty twenty in twenty twenty one structurally, I thought it was very bold, and um, I, I think that this is maybe a half step or quarter step forward from the stuff that came before it, and that might just not have felt like enough. Um, now, not the English Patient, obviously. Uh, the English Patient is its own is its own animal, and it takes for place, sure, you sure. know, kind of in the throes of war, but. I'm, I've always been very fascinated by the rest of Europe mm-hmm. that was, that didn't choose to be in a war. And that's not, I, I, by that, I don't mean obviously England chose to be in a war, had to be in a war, or was pulled into a war. But, you know, the, the English citizenry was kind of caught in a war, mm-hmm. or the occupied French were kind of caught in a war. And I find that stuff to be endlessly fascinating. Or, you know, the, the expats in, in Italy, like we talked about too with Mussolini. I find that stuff to be endlessly fascinating, the way life really did go on as they were getting 
bombed or dislocated or kicked out of their homes. And, uh, and that stuff is really interesting to me. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I do wonder to piggyback on what you're saying, if part of it is, this is a very interior intimate movie. This movie doesn't have like the sweep of these things usually. Right. Like, and by that, I mean, not to keep comparing it to the English patient, but the English patient has this, you know, this obviously it's about deserts. It's this David Lean esque kind of scope to it. Right. And this movie, even just looking at the photography is very intimate. It's very closed off. It's very claustrophobic. It's in, you know, literally mostly in interiors uh, or it's in the rain. Like it's just, it's got a very, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad story. You know what I mean? And, and I think that to your point, Kenny, I wonder whether or not that felt antithetical to what people expect from a period drama as well, to some extent. Yeah. I, I think, I think people at that time were probably expecting, especially since it occurs mostly throughout World War II, they were expecting to see those big visuals and expecting like bigger moments than you got when right. that was just kind of the background. Um, it, and the, I was going to say, it kind of almost reminds me of Greta Gerwig's Little Women and like with the sure. nonlinear yep. structure. Sure. And it's very mostly interiors, very intimate. And it's the kind of story that could almost like kind of take place at any time. It just has totally. those different elements that are there, but they're not, especially like when I think of the 1994 Little Women, which is also amazing. It's not as modern. It's more about this was the time period. And we're, they emphasize that. And then... Greta Gerwig is just like, they're all in these costumes, but this is a modern story. And I think the end of the affair is very similar to that. It's like, we're just going to tell this story that could happen at any time, but it's based on the book. So we're going to do it here. Yeah. It's, it's, I agree with everything both of you were saying. It, it, it's, it feels very intimate. Um, I mean, the biggest moment of the film is that, is that explosion. Um, and, it's, and it's about the emotional ramifications, or I guess, depending on how you interpret it, perhaps the spiritual as well. Um, you know, just, just all of that um, feels so different. But to your point, Kenny, maybe it just wasn't overt enough or different enough. Like, it's, it's an intellectual exercise, maybe more so than an emotional one, which I think is probably why yeah. I ding people too. And I, I do think like generally, I, I think the reason why I do really like the movie, even though I said it's pretty forgettable, like uh, Netflix yeah, show I yeah. watch in two days. But I think it, like we discussed, it is visually stunning. The score is great. The performances are amazing. Like I, I can't believe I honestly forgot about like Jason Isaacs in this. Like he's yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. And and he's like barely in the movie, but uh, like I just and when I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember this performance and I completely forgot he's in this. Um, but now I lost my train of thought. But I, I, I think it's just like one of those movies where they just got so caught up like in the story almost that they sure. kind of forgot to take a step back and say like, what's something surprising we can add to this? Because it's all very, very good, but there's nothing mm-hmm. that is... Not that it's not unique, but there's nothing that's particularly shocking about it. Yeah, and I I do wonder, too, um, about the casting a little bit. I I think that, I I mean, I love Ray Fiennes. I love Julianne Moore, independently of each other. I'm not entirely convinced that they have, they, it's not that they don't have chemistry, they do. But I also think that Ray Fiennes, in general, struggles with chemistry. He's not an actor that, generally speaking, has the most chemistry with with uh, with his female leads. So, um, 
I wonder if that's adding to this too on some level. Ju- Julianne Moore has chemistry with everybody. Anything. <laughs> yes. she, it's just her thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. like, I just could there are people like this. So like they're, they're like magical people who just make you so happy to be around and you're so comfortable immediately. And that's just who she is, whether she's roller, well, not roller roller, she's Amber waves, or Amber whether waves, she's, yeah. you know, a 1940s British, um, sure. socialite, I guess. Uh, I, um, yeah, I, I guess I agree with you though. I did feel pretty strong sexual chemistry between them and not yes. just because of the ass. This uh, really there's, oh, there's, amazing the sex ass, scenes. The ass grabs were yeah. that's a lot of ass grabs. Yeah. <laughs> that, those, that's trust with your co-stars. Yeah. Yeah. And those sex scenes are really, really yeah. well done. I, yeah. they, like you actually see thrusting, which I like. I don't like it when it's like an implied sex scene, I call it, where they're like kissing yeah. and then like it goes black when they like clearly start fucking. It's like like we see them fuck like multiple times. We do. And it's we so do. good. We do, we do we do it, it's uh yeah I I agree it's a it's a sexually explicit movie um but not in a uh, uh gratuitous way no, it's it doesn't it, yeah. It does feel as though um, you understand the passion that exists between these two people, um, and it, it feels realistic. Um, and, and I would also say too, you know, we, we, I alluded to this earlier. You know, they, they, there's a moment when they're having sex during a bombing, and essentially, it's like they're he's testing her as to what, how much she really loves him and whether or not you know they can withstand these bombs essentially um whether or not their love can i guess to some degree or another um and it's it it fucking works it's i mean to say it out loud it sounds silly um yeah. and but but somehow you're just like fuck yeah no i i buy this that that's from the book Carrie. that that's yeah uh, the, 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 yeah uh and the character's very very similar in the movie. I, I think they did a very excellent job at portraying his jealousy and how kind of like he's he's pretty much a piece of shit. Like he he's kind of awful. Um, but which Rafe does play well. Like he, he has does. done that in the past which, and which continues is, to do it. Which is why I was going to say it, it to me. It almost doesn't really matter that he, Ray Fiennes doesn't really have chemistry with her because it's more about the passion which they mm-hmm. got right. Um, And even in the book, the relationship is they are in love, but it's more about Sarah's sexual satisfaction um, as it is in the movie, too. But I I, I think the book, uh, most books capture those like things about the characters better than the film adaptation can. But they do a good enough job that you guys got the same sense that I do from the book of the characters. So, yeah, it's it's. it's really pretty impressive how so so Julianne Moore chased this role. Apparently, uh, okay. Neil Jordan considered uh, Miranda Richardson, Kristen Scott Thomas were the two other people that they considered for the role, um, and she chased it. And I and I think uh, good for her. I think she she's great in this movie. I kind of can't imagine anyone else in this role. Quite honestly, she has this. I mean, as as we'll discuss in our favorite Julianne Moore movies later. Uh, there is something about Julianne Moore that's so unbelievably watchable. Um, she has this this aura about her, um, and even if she, 
even if at times I'm not totally sure I buy her accent a hundred percent at times. Um, and we discussed this a little bit, Kenny, in um, uh, An Ideal Husband, where she also pops up with a, as a British. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, far, I'm far less precious this way than the sure. other way. I don't, I mean, Amer- Americans going Brit, like, it all sounds fine to me. Brit's going American. Same. You better get it fucking right. Or I will, <laughs> I, 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 I will, I will punch you into the, to the Atlantic Ocean. I'm with um, you, Kenny. <laughs> but when she first shows up and she's got the British accent, my immediate reaction was like, it almost sounded slightly like Maud Lebowski. Um, <laughs> so that for, for a brief second, I was like, uh, and then I was fine with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, she just, I don't know, man, there's something about her um, that is just so unbelievably captivating um but to speak on i I want to say one thing yeah yeah. she is so fucking pretty like you know she's gorgeous like she is so i don't think people i don't think people appreciate just how fucking pretty she is she's she's so unusual and gorgeous and there's like no one like her i mean she's it's it's really it really is like i find her like somewhat breathtaking in a way that you don't even find most Yep. gorgeous people or most gorgeous actors and actresses that uh yeah it really it, it, it to me it does really inform this role too it informs, yeah for um, sure I there's mean, also right. a chameleon component to it as well kenny in the sense that like the, her look in this film with these big giant curls that they and and the sort of the the obviously the costumes and what have you but then you think about the chameleon-esque way that she's able to sort of you know, like I just said, she can play Maude Lebowski, she can play Amber Waves, and then she can play this. You know, it, it's, it's, people just, I don't know, they don't respect Julianne Moore. As yeah, and I, I agree. And I, Julianne Moore, there isn't, for Julianne Moore, there isn't really a comp for her. Like, I can't think of another actress from another era who she is like, and I don't think there will ever be another actress that is like her in the future. I agree. She's there's there's a there's a fearlessness to her, um, and yet there's also this. um, She's not rubbing your face in it. Like I I really just get the. There's just this. um, There's something about when I think about like, is this her only film in '99, Kenny? Am I? Is this the only? No, no, I did your husband. Oh, right. Of course. Sorry. I literally <laughs> said it and then didn't even. Uh, that's how much an ideal husband stayed with There's me. one. There's another one, too, Phil. Is there? Okay. It might come up on your favorite, Julianne. Oh, is it uh, Map of the World? Is that the other one that she's in? I think that's also. No, no. I mean, yes, but no. Oh, I know what. Yeah. I won't say it. I know which one it is. Phil. Oh, of course, of, so course. Fuck, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's, yeah, no, obviously it's Magnolia. Um, yeah, no, I can't uh, believe I didn't think of that. But uh, the, she had just such an wait, interesting. Wait, was she not, wait, was she nominated for Map of the World? Or was she nominated for this? I thought she was nominated for this. She was yeah. nominated for this. Yeah. She was nominated for this. So was, Sigour- was, she, was Sigourney Ma- nominated for Map? She was in four movies this year. Was Sigourney okay. nominated for Map of the World? I don't think Map of the World was nominated for anything. Oh, Globes. Globes, maybe. Globes, anything's possible. Uh, but not anything's Oscars. possible. All right. <laughs> not Oscars. But, uh, but I, I just, it, Julianne Moore is, we're catching her sort of in this really fascinating period in her career. 98, she obviously, she does Boogie Nights, uh, and she does The Lost World in 97. Um mm. And you just have this just very like she's really kind of taken a lot of swings. She's she's in Hannibal in 2000. Um, Like there's just she's she's becoming a movie star. But then 
is never really a movie star. And I don't say that in a denigrating way. I just don't know that she ever was like, that she ever crossed that threshold to being a household name in the way that someone like a, a Kate Winslet or, or she, a Kate yeah. Blanchett, you know what I mean? Maybe not at that level, but yeah. it, it, it can't be ignored that she won an Oscar for a movie Correct. that no one cares about. <laughs> Correct. So when you win an Oscar for the, the reader yes. or when you yeah. win an Oscar for, <laughs> still you Alice. know, yeah. still Alice, you, you have like gotten to the point where people... Yeah. People, where people feel sure. like you've been so good for so long that yes. we will just acknowledge that, that you tried really, really hard to win an Oscar here and we're going to give it to you. <laughs> I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. I mean, her performance in Still Alice is I'm sure really, good. really phenomenal. It's, I would say it's much better than like Kate Winslet in The Reader, but she, she did. Well, I, it was. I didn't Julian see either Moore, of them. Okay. <laughs> even. Even if Julianne Moore's performance was not as good in Still Alice, she still deserved to just be handed the Oscar for it. Oh, 100%. Julianne Moore, I mean, and we're, we're, we will get to this when we talk about our favorite yeah. films of hers, but like Julianne Moore losing for Boogie Nights is one of the worst losses, I would argue, of at least of our generation to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Kate, uh, sorry, uh, Kim Basinger in LA Confidential. She's very good oh. in that film. Um, and it's a very good movie. Um, but like, yeah. Julianne Moore's doing something next level in Boogie and Nights. I, I remember Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights more, like, more yeah, than course. Kim yeah. Basinger sure. in LA Confidential. And Kim Basinger is, is kind of to your point a little bit, Kenny, too, which is the Oscars love a fucking, you know, they love a narrative, right? They mm. love a... It's all uh, narrative. It's, it's all narrative. It's yeah. all narrative. And Kim Basinger fit the narrative really fucking well that year. Yeah. Julianne Moore just didn't. And, and weirdly... Yeah. Weirdly, in her own movie, because it was her coming out too, right? Mm-hmm. You look at Julianne Moore's filmography, and it was small sporting role, small sporting role, yeah. and then you know that's the female lead of that movie. Yeah. But she was out ingenued in that movie by uh, Heather Graham, so sure. she couldn't yeah. really fit the ingenue category, and she couldn't You're really right. fit the um, the the great narrative store thing that like you know the one that i remember that uh i mean i think the movie's garbage but virginia madsen in um in sideways, sideways. oh sideways sorry virginia madsen sideways had a, <laughs> you know people thought she was really really good but there was just no great narrative there um yeah. just and and kim basinger's narrative was fantastic it's like yeah. this yeah. this pretty pretty face doing doing work it was not even like doing great work it was like look at her who who won the Oscar in Best Actress for this for nine not the ninety nine year? Uh, it's uh, it's Hillary yeah. Swank for Boys oh, okay. Don't Cry. Yeah, unimpeached. Uh, also, yeah. the narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, one, that, no one was yeah. going to beat that. No, too much. Well, there. but the narrative yeah. in that year was the Annette Benning versus Annette Benning in American Beauty versus Hillary Swank yeah. in Boys Don't Cry, and and you know again. Annette Bening still Oscarless, which is insane. Um, but but again, that's sort of one of those things where, I mean, Hilary Swank deserved it. I'm not in any way suggesting that she didn't. Um, but that's one of those things where the performance is so unimpeachable that it which trumps one? the Hillary narrative. Swank? Yeah, Hilary Swank. I totally that it, agree. That it All Annette Bening had that year yeah. was in that. I mean, look, yeah. that's the only good part of that movie, Annette Bening. But and his <laughs> thoughts on American Beauty are less than flattering. No, she's amazing. She's unbelievable. I, mean, I think yeah. I probably agree. Although yeah. it's not a movie I ever want to see again for for a big reason. Reasonable. Yeah. Reasonable. It's, so it's, I, 
it's worth watching for anthropological reasons. Yes. Um, yes. For real. Like it, yes. like it's, yes. it is, you know what? It's, it's, it's crazy. It makes sense. Like at the time, I'm not talking about American beauty, but you know, it's this podcast. It's really just about 99 movies. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, this Woodstock 99 reconsideration thing, how we got here and what happened and what was going on in the culture, it's really interesting that what was considered to be high art and artistically revolutionary at the time was really just a, a slightly more stylized way of objectifying women. And that, and because we were so fucking far gone in 99 in terms of the way that we like objectified women and glorified violence and, you know, promoted rape culture and all these things that a kind of movie called American Beauty about yeah. rape um, seemed oh to be yeah, a-okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? not just a-okay. I mean, it was, it was, as we discussed yes. in the episode, embraced yes. and like, yes. and, yes. and uh, obviously yeah. put to the, you know, one best picture and all that. Yes. It's, and Ebert's and Ebert, fundamental point was we all want to rape. This is just like, if Ebert's you read like, his review, we'll Carrie, for, for American Beauty, it's literally like, come on, guys, we all want to do it. <laughs> just like, like, the, like Sam, like oh, Sam Mendez and Alan and Alan Ball just found like a real tasteful way to rape. Yeah. And well, this is if I, you're going to yeah. rape, this is a good way to rape. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going to move on that from movie this. Is, that, that movie that movie so, is a nation. Which is but, uh, yeah. Interesting yes, that end of the affair is also 99 because yes. those sex scenes are about both sexes. Oh, which is sure. very refreshing and even today I watched last year I spent uh, many months watching sex scenes for an article that I wrote for The Ringer. So I know about sex Wait, scenes. Wait, uh, did I, what, what article was this? So I I did, like, I watched, like, a bunch of sex scenes from different actors, like, I think, like, 30 different actors for several months, and I, like, did, wow. calculated how long the sex scenes were, how many sex scenes in each al- actor's filmography they were, and just, like, did all this analysis on it. You can, if you just Google, like, sex scenes, The Ringer. No, we'll, we'll, we'll link to that um, on our on our Twitter so, for sure. What I learned is that that's why I was so frustrated. I'm, I hate implied sex scenes because it's just like, okay, in some movies they work, but in most it's just like, oh, like you just didn't want to have to choreograph this. It's fine well, if the actors aren't comfortable doing it, but it's usually Carrie, you're, is, Carrie, you're amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm, looking, no, I'm looking at this right now. Wow. 
I want to I want to unpack this for a second because I do think it's actually integral to this film. Um, it does feel like sex scenes, by and large, can be pulled from movies, right? Like they're there because we like watching attractive people, you know, pretend like they're having sex, whatever. Yes. Um, and and to your point, um, more times than not, they're perfunctory and they're just kind of there. Um, and those are the ones that we tend to cut away from. Yes. The, these sex scenes are integral to the story, right? Kenny highlighted how the, the passion is so palpable between these two people that without it, this movie would be completely DOA. Yeah. It's, it's really Carrie's kind of point that about sex scenes in general, which is, all right, so the bar for sex scenes is so low yes. that when you show something that kind of looks like actual sex, it feels like, you know, the passion of a, you know, of a thousand sons yeah. to mix metaphors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, but it, th- there is something like that. I didn't think this sex was like particularly sexy. Yeah. I just thought this sex looked like someone who was actually trying to have good yeah. sex. Ex- ex- exactly. And uh, in, in the, it's, hate to say in the book again but in the book the first time they have sex is like really really awkward and uncomfortable it's like and they capture that pretty well but it's not as passionate or as sexy as it is in the movie but the first time they have sex is like really strange um which is normal um and i think they do a good job making it as realistic as sex is in real life which most other movies don't here's the big issue with those, with with sex and movies, and Carrie, this is obviously your domain. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, if you have if you have sex with someone for the first time in the, in a movie, and it does not set off literal fireworks, your relationship is doomed to fail. Yes, that is not real life. <laughs> that is not real life. Sexual <laughs> chemistry is not fucking innate it is it is it is earned it is worked on it is built it is like it's based on trust it's based on like communication and the idea that you're supposed to like magically understand what the other person wants is fucking nuts yeah yeah Uh, yeah. my little rant yeah yeah Yeah. and so so the other thing i was going to say like the reason why it's surprising that it's from 99 is that most sex scenes are all about just seeing a female actress. Female nudity, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like you see a woman's tits and she's like on top of a man and that's it. Like you, you Whereas their first sex scene, she's fully clothed and we're seeing his butt. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to exactly. say yeah. one more thing. His white British butt. I, am, yeah. I, have, I have four children and one of my child's teachers in this house as I'm screaming about <laughs> sexual pleasure. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah, a little bit of a purview so, into, the, little, into the Nybarn nervous, household. I'm a little nervous about the way this is going to go when I well, walk I, into the room. I, I do but. think that it's, I mean, to, to, your, to your point, Carrie, I do feel like this movie, which is directed by a man, um, seems to be going out of its way to, to show believable sex that feels believably passionate um, for both parties. Yes. <laughs> and I think that that's an important uh, distinction. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there's, 
this this movie jumps around in time a lot, but I, I, there's a couple lines and a couple moments that I do want to kind of highlight. Um, we we and just for what it's worth, story wise, essentially. Um, you know, I, I gave the synopsis. We, we, it's not a particularly complicated story, really. It's just about a, uh, you know, Julia Moore is married to Stephen Ray, and he thinks she's cheating. She's cheating with Ray Fines. Ray Fines decides to kind of follow along with the investigation uh, into this adultery, and in the process, um, finds out about why Sarah called off their affair. Now, Kenny, um, when you stepped away for a second, Carrie was saying that in the book, the book is told primarily through Bendrick's reading Sarah's diary. So I wouldn't it is say told- primarily I wouldn't okay. say primarily, okay. but it's part, a made yeah. 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 Which is what the second part of this this movie is about, essentially, which is he gets the diary from the from the detective um and the diary pieces in uh her perspective. Thus essentially the the major sort of central thing that happens is there is that Bendrix goes out into the hallway at one point post-coital and an explosion goes off he's blown into the stairwell it looks like he's dead we see this from the first time from his perspective which is him waking up and julian moore is uh praying in the bedroom essentially when we later realize that she was praying for him to survive and she prays to god if he survives i'll never see him again and when he survives, she takes it as a sign from God that she can no longer see this, see Bendrix anymore. He did not know that perspective. He thought that she was just kicking him to the curb for reasons that he didn't understand. Um, and it's, it's sort of this Rashomon-esque perspective shift that allows us to be able to understand um, why this affair dissolved, essentially. Um, but we do have sort of these moments in the first half of the film where they meet up and he's very cold and shitty to her. And she doesn't really, she can't tell him why she broke up, broke off the affair. I guess this, I guess if I have one nitpicky narrative thing, does she think that if she tells him God will renege on what I'm, I'm I'm a little unclear as to, is that what she thinks? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's why she feels like God is being a real cock blocker in this situation. I think, so, yeah, so I think it's that, I and I also think it's something that she might be embarrassed about. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I, 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 think, I think Julianne Moore kind of plays it more in the latter. Like, like it's, sure. it's kind of an embarrassing thing to admit to someone that it's like, oh well, I can't see you because of God. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I if I, 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 if if someone said that to me, I would I'd be you know. Uh, well, you you you'd be like, yeah, but you'd also be like. All right, great. Like, see you. Like, like <laughs> see you. Fine. See you never. Yeah, I do love. Um, there's a line that Bendrick says to uh, to to Sarah. Um, she says, "Is he writing a book? Is it? Is he writing a book about them?" And he said, "A book takes a year to write. It's too hard work for revenge," which is a great line. Um, and I would I would concur. I think at a certain point you you run out of just be like fuck it. It's like that's not worth it. True. Um, I love the kiss some, under some the in the real rain under his right coat. Your veins. Yeah, I th- I love that moment. Um, I, I, this movie does, and again, it's not to, to to belabor the point, but it doesn't hit these things as hard as I think people want it hit. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the romanticism. Like what I love about that moment 
essentially, uh, Bendrix remembers uh, a pop flash, essentially, of them kissing in the rain under his coat. Um, and it's a beautiful, tender, loving moment, but it's not made to be gigantic. And I think that that's why this film didn't hit with people. It's moments and, like that. Yeah, and a, a lot of those big moments are very fleeting and I think that they're meant to be. Um, and yeah. it's like when Bendrix reveals the affair to Henry, Henry's not like, he doesn't punch him or anything. It's just kind of like, right. okay. And then they're like kind of friends and then they like nur- <laughs> basically nurse, nurse her, her to death to, to, to death together and they're like yeah. roommates. It's, yeah. it's kind of funny. Yes. So I think people might have, they want when the, when the adultery is revealed, they mm-hmm. want this like big right. emotional fight. Catharsis. Or yeah. Yeah. And you don't get that at all. You get you actually get a lot of peace and harmony. Well, it's, it's very, and I, I don't want to, uh, this isn't a bad thing, but like, it's very British. Like this yes. movie's very British in the way that it's all very sort of like, it's very formal for, you know what I mean? In terms of, especially the Stephen Ray character. He feels tremendously British to me, even mm-hmm. though he's played by an Irish actor, if I'm not mistaken. This movie is directed by an, I believe that Stephen Ray and yeah. uh, Neil Jordan are both I Irish. I think so. Um, yeah. But there's something Stephen Ray's very, his guy. Yeah, Stephen Ray is very much this guy. I think he did like nine movies with him or something like that. But um, that's sort of, and, and to what you just described, Carrie, of like literally Stephen Ray seeks them out and to take it, to take Ray finds aside and be like, so FYI, she's dying. And I'm not here to like put a cramp in your affair, but like you've really only got a couple months. Uh, why don't you move in and we can become friends and, and nurse her through this? It's, it's a very sort of, uh, yeah, it's, it's very sort of stuck up in a weird, in a perfectly kind of British way. Yeah. It, and I would say, I say that Graham Greene is British F. Scott Fitzgerald because right. it is so British and it's like pretty similar stories to Fitzgerald, but they're so British. <laughs> <laughs> like there's yeah. not, it's, it's sure. so British. And, and yeah, it's, and I, I, I don't know if you read about this, but the end of the affair was inspired by Graham Greene's affair that he, he had an affair and it's oh. inspired by that. And his home in London, I think, or somewhere in the UK was hit during the blitz so that's i i don't know if he was fucking his lady while that happened um but 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 you get yours graham yeah (laughs) right i I, Um, I want to uh i want to just highlight for a quick second (laughs) (laughs) you know and graham green's wife was probably a lady Probably. That was appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the bombing just for a quick second, the explosion, because first of all, it's so fucking well done. The explosion, it's like it's essentially this like wind that blows through the through the apartment essentially before the explosion even goes off. So there's like this almost like a calm before the storm, if you will. The explosion is incredibly well done. We see it from a couple angles, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but the shot of Bendrix waking up in the stairwell, it's, it's, it's so beautifully monochromatic. It's just ash all over him. Um, and then, you know, they have this tremendous scene, which we see a couple times, obviously, of Sarah saying, 
basically Bendrix kind of deduces that Sarah's disappointed that he survived this explosion. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like, why are you disappointed? And she says to him, love doesn't end just because we don't see each other, which again is this beautifully sweeping notion, but is done in such a grounded way that again, this is why I feel like this movie just didn't connect with people on, a, on an emotional level. But she says that to him. It's a great fucking scene. The idea of two people professing their love to each other in a bombed out apartment um, covered in ash and blood is just, that, that's fucking great shit. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I love it. If this movie came out six or seven years earlier, I think it would have been viewed very differently by uh, critics and by the American public or by the, you know, I guess the global public. I, I It is a really good movie. It's, it's, it's less impactful in the wake of, you know, English patient, I'd also throw sense of sensibility in that. Sure. You know, yeah. I think that it, the little woman adaptation from, you know, 94, they like, it, yeah. it does sometimes feel like, you know, we, we've, we've done it already. We're here. And so I, I feel like this suffers the same kind of totally. fate, right? So totally. it's yeah. also, you know, it's, I, I, I tweeted the, the poster for it the other day. And it's a beautiful poster. I think it's a really beautiful poster, but it it's is. also a poster of just like two people under an umbrella with just sheets of rain coming down, like, which is very emblematic of the film. But again, like it's gloomy, right? Like it, it does have this, this, this grim gloom, but I kind of dig that about it. I don't know. I think that's, that's one of the things that I feel like makes it stand out. Um, but I can understand why it didn't for people, but yeah. Um, so then basically Bendrix, then he chases Sarah around for a bunch, which kind of felt a little bit like, dude, take a hint, but whatever. Uh, he eventually does um, uh, convince her to go, they go away together. That's when um, Henry comes and tells them that she's dying and we have this. Uh, <laughs> we have inviting Bendrix to come and live with them while Sarah uh, is dying. Um, we then get sort of the... the, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, yes. Will, I, I, did you see the, the note, I'm assuming, that Kenny just said? I can't help myself. It's I like, know. I have a problem. I mean, Will, pull out this whole thing. But I'm not... Well, but I, you could just I, pull out that, that one Bill, line. It went, it, went, yeah. it, it went so well. And like, oh, that's so great. Now, like, now they might even like listen. I, to give I, you like, a, we're going to cut all of this, obviously, but uh, Carrie, okay. to give you perspective, um, Kenny pitched an idea to Chris White's. Uh, and since Chris White uh, directed The Golden Compass, he's decided that he doesn't necessarily want <laughs> okay. to shit on his film, which is uh, yeah, a yeah. we also sh- We also were not very kind to American Pie, so we asked that to be pulled down temporarily. And yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what we're like, going to do about that, but we'll, yeah, I mean, it's pulled, but I guess we can, I don't know. We're, we're going to re-record the whole thing. It's, we're gonna Are pull we Taylor, really? We're, we're going to pull Taylor Swift on this one. Wow. <laughs> but what is we, what's our excuse to our listeners who have heard the previous one? Oh, oh, we're just gonna drop it like it never happened. We're just gonna put it back <laughs> okay, on the slot. Okay, okay, we're right. gonna we're gonna sneak it back in number three like it never You're happened. You're insane. And but I love this. I love this. Uh, okay. But that being said, now we're at the point in the film, Kenny, that we talked about earlier, which is um, when Bendrix essentially is really coming head to head with God and being like. Uh, and and by God, he it's essentially Jason Isaacs who's playing this priest, um, and it's it's in sort of it's in Henry and Sarah's house. Bendrix is completing his book, which is a diary of hate towards God. Um, 
Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just his, his basically Sarah, while Sarah doesn't need to see God to love him, Bendrix praise God will leave him alone. And that's basically the end of the film. Um, and uh, I agree with you, Kenny, that it is not um, necessarily siding with Bendrix and his perspective uh, because um, oh, I guess we should, sorry. I'm going to backtrack very quickly here and just say that the detective has a young son who has been coming around with him, who has this birthmark on his face at midway through the film, Sarah kisses his face at the end of the film, the birthmark is gone. Um, and we're sort of led to believe that, that that is Graham Greene's way uh, or the film's way, certainly of acknowledging that, that there might be a higher power. Um, Kenny, do you feel as though that is the overriding sentiment more so than Bendrix? Much more so than Bendrix. I okay. like, yeah, I, I and, and furthermore, I don't think Bendrix is saying, I, I think he's ex- explicitly saying there is a God and I hate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, uh, what I, I don't think that I don't think the existence of God is in question in this film. I think the question is the, the nature of God, right? Right, right, right. So, right. yes. I agree with that too. Um, yes. And if God picks, if God picks favorites, and if God, you know, is out to get certain people, if God can grant miracles, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I do you also think it's about POV too, which feeds into it as well, right? It's a perspective of God. It's that idea of what that sure. like. This this does feel like a very sort of like you know, two very different POVs. So, I but I will cool. say the, the stuff with the birthmark really took me out of it. Like it really, like the yeah, idea that, I, I the idea that, that Julianne Moore, it didn't need it at all. And that yeah. the, the idea was not that she was in some way angelic or some way connected to God. It's that had nothing to do with anything to me. So, and, and again, I don't think that I, I don't think that, and maybe I'm totally wrong and this might, the, the the book might be explicit in this, but it didn't feel like this was about whether or not the the, the narrator was reliable, whether or not we were seeing a skewed version of events from Bendrix's point of view. It felt like this really happened. Now, like again, weird thing to say in the conversation, you know, around and about Julianne Moore, when the lesson of the lesson of Magnolia is shut up but so (laughs) so basically i I, like there is a there is a shut up aspect to this kind of stuff like okay it it happened what does it mean um but uh it 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 definitely took my rating and like my my rating at the end is is reflective of where i was at the end of the film because of this yeah but um can i i i I, I don't disagree my rating significantly yeah, I've 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 sort of I've jumped around uh, a fair amount as well. I, I want to say um, I wonder. I guess I don't know if I needed to see the kid's face. Like I almost yeah. feel like if I just heard it, if I just heard the dad say it, I kind of would have been like, okay, that's a little weird, but okay. But showing it and and kind of really putting a spotlight on it with this slow turn and this music swelling and like to your point, Kenny, it 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 makes it too big a deal um, when it could have been played a little bit more subtle and still had the same effect. Or you just see one side of the kid's face that doesn't sure. have the birth. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It, it's, a, it's a little dramatic. And I said this earlier, but I, I truly do not even remember if this is in the book or not. Right. I, it, I feel like it has to be, 
But I was I was trying to remember this specifically if it was in the book because it's been so long since I've read it. But I know that's like hypocritical because I say it's like one of my favorite books, but I can't even remember if a kid loses a birthmark or not to a kiss. But um, I read (laughs) like all these uh, summaries of it, of the book, and I could not find that in any of the summaries. That's interesting. Maybe it's it's not in it. But I need to now order the book and read it and find out and let you guys know. Mm -hmm. Please do. Because it's going to drive me crazy. So, Kenny, I want to I want to um, hit on your Moulin Rouge thing real quick because the very last shot of this film is essentially the last shot of Moulin Rouge as well, which is a typewriter. Now, yeah. the, the Moulin Rouge ending is um, is love love lasts forever, right? That that is love for her will never end, um, and and it's a, obviously a far far more romantic notion in a far more romantic film. This film ends with very little discussion of love and more about leave me alone. Like the last yeah. words that we see on this are leave me alone. Um, it's, it's a much more, uh, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a much more depressing and sadder ending, but it's also, um, it, it feels right in some way. Like it, Bendrix is just, um, you get the impression at least that he is this very sort of, a woe is me character, but also that um, there's something very sort of, there's something very British about him. It's it's the most British Ray Fiennes has ever felt to me. The way he walks, the way he carries himself, mm-hmm. the, the, he's, he, his clothes are very bland. Yeah. Like there's just something, you know what I'm saying? His big mm-hmm. ass trench coat. Yeah. Big ass trench coat. All Good of it just feels coat. like this guy great who trench. just, great trench. So like the end of the film being just like, leave me alone. Um, I don't know, really hit home for me. It worked. Yeah. Um, why don't we rate this? Because I want to talk Julianne more. Um, I saw this film in 99, as I mentioned. Uh, I quite liked it. I probably would have given it a 75 back in 99. I thought it was it was good. Um, I quite liked it. And I was surprised that, that no one seemed to care about it. Um, before the podcast, I would say I actually went down a little bit. I went down to a 70 um, because I was sort of like, there was some stuff that, that you know, I liked it quite a bit, but was also like, maybe I didn't like it as much as I thought I did. Um, now I'm up to an 80. Uh, this conversation has made me like it even more. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's a, really, a really good movie and um, one that people should seek out. I think, it, I think it's a really interesting film to watch through a 2021 lens. I think it's, a, as, as Carrie or Connoisseur of Sex Scenes mentioned, uh, I think that the sex scenes are really powerful and, and, uh, and really well done. And that's where I'm at. What about you, Kenny? I gave it uh, I, I gave it a fifty nine before this okay. thing, which I, I don't normally mess around with fifties. Something about fifty. <laughs> it's something about fifty one to to fifty nine that feels a little bit yeah. like kissing your sister, right? But um, I, don't, I don't agree. As someone who does mess around with the fifties, as you say, you you do. You love the fifties. But I feel like that it's it's very fence-sittery, sitting to me, whatever it is. It just it, I, I'm going, Phil. I'm, that sounds. This all sounds much more judgmental than it than it needs <laughs> okay, to. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, it, I'm not being judgmental with this. It just is. There's something about being in the fifties that always feels. It always just felt like. And you want to know what it really is for me, Phil? It's just not where a <laughs> yes. lot of movies land for me. That's just ultimately like right, I, right, I, right. I, I'm. I am a. I am a, a very opinionated person. And I feel very strongly about my opinions usually. And for a movie like this, it's like, yeah, this is good. Like, I enjoyed yeah. a lot of good stuff here. And yep. and uh, I definitely 
it's too good to be like, don't see it. That's the way yes. I felt. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's, it's too innovative and too powerful and, and, and just, and just too, too well done. Yeah. Um, but I got to go higher. It's much better than a 59 after this conversation. I was, I was going to go up to a 71 before Phil, your 80 is bold, but also feels kind of right. Um, I'm gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna go up to like a 77. Uh, 59 to 77 is quite a bump, yeah. but yeah. It, it's a good film. It really yeah. is a good film. What about you, Carrie? What did you um, think in around uh, when you first saw it, and then before podcast, after podcast? Oh gosh, I, when I first saw it, probably yeah. ten years ago, maybe more. When I was like really, really into this book, and it was like sadly my personality. Um, <laughs> I did not like the movie. Probably because I was like, oh, this isn't as loyal to the book as it could be. Like a huge, sure, sure, sure. A huge nerd shit. So pretentious. <laughs> I, I was a yes. different person back then. Um, That's why I don't like Moneyball. So what are you going to do? We're, we all have our issues. <laughs> we all have. Okay. And I think I've come around like to Moneyball this. too. I, we just like well, carry us around yeah, on this. The, the first time I saw the movie many years ago, I probably i don't know what my rating would have been but probably like in the really low like unfairly low like 40s um wow. and before the pot i was thinking i was gonna give it like 68 okay like late 60s early 70s okay. but i think i'm buffing it to 75 i love it because after I this conversation around I'm the same re- place good place yeah I, I'm, I'm realizing how good it actually is and how unique it truly is compared to yeah. other movies like it Seriously. um yeah and I kind of want to now. I want to read the book, and then I want to watch the movie again. Well, please, uh, please let us know if or, yeah. uh, if the birthmark is is in the book. I'm yeah, curious, or I'm, I'm if anyone, curious. if anyone listening, I don't know. If anyone maybe listening I'll, knows, just tell us. <laughs> maybe I'll finish it reading the book by then. But it, I mean, it's a pretty quick read. But gosh. we should just, you know, we'll just let's after this, we'll just tweet. See if anyone yeah. comes back to us I, with the with it. I yeah. kept. It's so sad. I, I think of myself as a pretty good Googler. Meaning that I know exactly, I'm good at SEO. I guess. I know exactly what to mm-hmm. Google when I need to sure. find something specific. Good at, I'm too good at shopping online. And mm-hmm. so I tried to look up this birthmark thing both last night and all morning at like specifically like end of the affair book, birthmark boy, <laughs> like things like that. And I could not find anything besides well, about we'll the movie. Um, so we're going to do our top five. Phil, oh, I have one question for you before yeah. we, we move yeah. on. Do you think that when we do our not our fifty two in review, yes, our year end, our our yes. pod end Oscar, end, re, yeah. our pod end re Oscaring, mm-hmm. uh, do you think Julian Moore is going to make the cut for you? It's a really good question. Um, my my short answer is maybe. I'm I'm I. Part of it is, and we're gonna t- we're about to do our top fives. You know. Magnolia is on my list. It will surprise nobody. Um, I, I, I think that, and that's not a lead performance. I would say that's definitely a supporting performance. Um, so, and the and the supporting nominees for ninety nine are really solid. So it's it's a stacked category. So it's hard for me to say whether or not Julian Moore might slot into that for me. Um, I don't know if she makes the top five best actress performances for me total, but maybe I don't know. I don't know. My short answer is she probably definitely makes my top 10. Not sure if she makes top five. I would say for me, 
Yeah. Uh, before seeing this movie, I thought there was no chance. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> and having seen this movie, I would say there is a chance. Yes, I, so, I feel I mean, the same way. Yeah. And I do, and I do keep kind of a running list actually, but, um, which I forgot to update recently, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. Um, my number five, we'll just kind of go around in a circle, Carrie. Um, my number five is Shortcuts. Um, not really a movie that has a lead performance, but it is got a hell of a Julianne Moore scene, uh, in it. Uh, that, that certainly there's like a full frontal nudity scene where she delivers this crazy monologue and she's unbelievable in it. Um, if you haven't seen Shortcuts, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a criterion and it's amazing. Um, it's very much, you, you can definitely see a very strong line between Shortcuts and Magnolia. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, she's great in it and it's a great film and that's my number five. What's yours, Kenny? Uh, my number five is I have it here somewhere. Uh, Far from Heaven, uh, movie I've Good mentioned call. on this podcast before. Good She's call. incredible in it. Uh, as close to like a She's amazing. She, there are obviously a lot of movies where she is the star. She's the, the central character, but um, this is the one I like the most. Um, there are plenty where there's two handers, or there are uh, where there are ensembles that she is, you know, the standout in. But this is her film. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a incredible. Who did she lose to that film. year? I'm curious because she that she what, was, was that definitely 2002? not. Yeah. Was it? Um... I'm just I'm looking it up because I'm genuinely curious here. Uh, but uh, sorry, I'm just we'll, we'll cut this. But um, Far from Heaven is 2002. Oh, uh, Ali Berry. Oh, that sounds right. Yep, it was that's it. not yep. Halle Berry. It no? was uh, it was Nicole Kidman for the hours. Oh, you're right, Kenny. You're absolutely right. Okay, I I couldn't remember if yeah the hours. Was I, I mean, that's that. Can I just say the hours feels like another one of those like Nicole Kidman's done a bunch of great movies, so we're going to give it to her for the hours. It was except. You know, Joe Reed would fight you to the death on that. He would so, fight me to the death for it. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it was a great, it was actually, you know, the Academy so often gets the best actress uh, category totally wrong. Yeah. But this yeah. is a pretty good year. It's Kidman, Salma Hayek for Frida, uh, yeah. Diane Lane for Unfaithful, mm. Julianne Moore, oh, and Renee Zellweger for um, Chicago. For Chicago. So yeah, really strong. That's a strong, thing. that's a strong, but I, I mean, we know how you feel about category fraud, Kenny. Nicole sure. Kidman, is that category fraud? Or is she a best uh, actor? Well, you know, I've never seen that movie. So Really? I, I, th- think, I think it's category fraud. I think it's category She's only in it for like 11 minutes. Yeah. She's just like, I, I She's think. She's only in it for 11 she, minutes? It's, yeah, like, it's, like, it's like maybe 15 minutes or yeah, she She just plays the most... <laughs> significant historical yes. figure in the movie yes. and she wore the fake nose. She is the she is the catalyst. Yeah. And she is the thing that that narratively brings the film together, but she's not the protagonist. She's not, a, she's no, not the she's not, not the she's not the protagonist of the film. That's how well all right so as you know and I should watch this movie. But as you know, <laughs> that's really what it comes down to me. Yeah. It comes down to for me. Are they the protagonist or not? It's that yeah. simple. Um and in general uh, it's almost impossible to be, be the protagonist without a majority of the screen time. <laughs> I agree. The, the most amount of screen time. Yeah. 
But it's possible, right? You know, dual protagonist movies certainly exist. I think this is one. I think we just watched one. I think, you know, Ray Fiennes and Julia Moore are both protagonists of this film. So Totally. Uh yes, that sounds like category four. Like I, I will have to um I will have Do to your research yeah. further. Carrie, what's your number five? I just changed mine after oh, this shit. discussion. I changed it to the end of the affair. I did have a nice. very weird choice. My list is pretty weird. Um my <laughs> five the one I just bumped was I'm not there, which she is in. Oh wow, the Bob Dylan movie. Mm-hmm. I and saw she was in it, but I didn't really remember where she plays. She plays like a um, Joan Bass type character, uh, John um, Bias. and yeah. she's yeah, not biased. Sorry, um, and she's like sitting. I, I just remember the visuals so strongly, which is why I had it on. I haven't seen the movie in a long time, so I couldn't tell you the specific details. But I just remember her like sitting in this pattern chair, like holding a cat. And it's just like the thing I remember the most about the movie besides Kate Blanchett as Bob Dylan. Yeah, um, sure. So when I was going through Julianne Moore's filmography, I was like, this is the thing, one of the movies I associate her with, even though her role is so small in it, which is why I wanted to put it on because I feel like that's my favorite yep. thing about her. But yeah. I'm choosing the end of the, the affair because it's a performance I didn't think about at all after the first time I saw it. But now I think it's going to be a performance I think about a lot and a performance I associate her with. Yeah, it's 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 she's she's fantastic in it. Uh, my number four is Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's amazing in this film. Um, I I also think it's one of those performances where a character spoiler dies relatively early in the film, like a lead character dies, and you feel their resonance after they've left the screen. Um, the scene that they have with the ping pong ball with that one inside the car um, is, is not just a technical feat in itself, but what she's doing, the chemistry she has, the history that she feels like she has with, with Clive Owen is so palpable. Um, and she's just, she's, she's, she's fucking awesome in that movie. It's a great movie. It's a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but that's my number four. What's yours, Kenny? I thought about putting that on the list, uh, but I couldn't, like, I've seen that movie maybe a couple times, hasn't been a long time, and I couldn't, rem- honestly, couldn't remember what she had, what she brought to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, interestingly enough, I watched The Fugitive within the last three months. She's in it for she's about great. five minutes, <laughs> and the movie's great. incredible, yeah. but the mere fact that she's in the movie means it can't get on the list, uh, is not the reason <laughs> enough to put it on the list. Number She's great in that inner two scenes, though. I, I debated putting The Fugitive on mine. <laughs> yeah, she's so good in it, but, you she's know. So yeah. And there's so few people who actually, like, actually have any real, like, like she's like the fourth lead, because, like, it's yeah. like yeah. Harrison yeah. Ford, <laughs> but whatever. So yeah. uh, yes. I didn't do that. I did. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put The Big Lebowski at four. Wow. I, I'm going to put the Big Lebowski at four instead of what I had. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I don't Is this a just, swap? Is this, did you with, just flip with, four, with, three, and with four? With what was in three, yes. Yeah, okay. okay. So I'm going to put the Big Lebowski at four. She's amazing in it, obviously. I remember seeing it in the theaters after after her little break. I mean, like, wait, this one can do anything. Um, yeah. I, I love her in the film. I love what she brings to that film. I love that film, but I don't think when you think about that movie, you think about her performance. I think about you. I, I think you think of the three guys. I think you think of the Jesus. Um, I think you think of. Uh, yeah, there's so many to think you know, of. 
Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think of Tara Reid. I think of um, okay. I think of Sam. Which Sam is it? Sam Shet? No, the other Sam one. Elliot. Sam, Sam Elliot. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't really think of Julianne more wow. that okay. much in that film. That being said, look, it's an amazing film. She's amazing in it. Um, but I think there are other ones that need to be highlighted. Okay. About it, okay. Including the one I swapped it with. Carrie, what's your uh, number four? My four is the kids are all right. Great movie. Um, great movie. She's great. Yeah, in it. yeah. She, she is. I, I I rewatched it recently, and I. I mean, I, I, she, like, we were talking earlier about how she has chemistry with everyone. She has chemistry yeah. with Annette Benning and Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> also, Incredible chemistry. Also, a good sex scene in that movie because it's very realistic yes. sex because it's very, very awkward and very yeah. weird. Um, and I, I remember the first time seeing it, uh, watching that sex scene, I was so uncomfortable. And I was just like realizing in real time, oh, like, you can actually make a sex scene that actually feels like real sex. Like it doesn't have to be movie sex. It doesn't have to be romantic, even though it is Mark Ruffalo and Julianne Moore, two of the hottest people probably working um, at that time and and today. um, It still is like, Oh, like I don't want to watch this. This is really weird. Um, And I think that's a testament to their performances and her in general as a performer. So, yeah, I I mean, I I love the kids for all right. I, I rewatched it relatively recently and, um, yeah, that movie didn't get enough love. Uh, it, it, and by that, I mean awards love. It feels like Annette they've got Benning. a lot of another Annette Benning performance that, that, uh, that she, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, great movie. Um, my number three is The Big Lebowski. Um, unlike you, Kenny, I do really associate her with this film. Um, but I would also say too that, um, I just love that apparently the Coen brothers, she showed up on set with this accent. Like they, hmm. they didn't tell her to do an accent. She just showed up with this accent and it, it just makes, I just love this. It's the most bizarre accent. Like it's, it's sort of British. It's kind of like Madonna doing a British accent. Like it's sort of this weird thing. Um, I find her unbelievably funny in, in, uh, in the big Lebowski. Um, and also like, surprisingly sweet i don't know I, I i think she's i think she's a a, a real standard in that film but I, I i adore it but uh what's your number three kenny my number three is the kids all right uh that's go. what there i that's what i swapped, swapped. it with yep. gary made all the arguments that i would have made for why um <laughs> yeah. i just really love her in this film and i love yep. the movie it was to me, you know, as a young jerk, it was the 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 first an time for I, long, a young a young punk. Yeah, a young punk like Furlong. It was one <laughs> of the first times I had really seen a lesbian relationship portrayed on screen uh, as casually as you'd portray a hetero relationship, mm-hmm. and totally. um, how uh, how flawed she was. That was a real choice. Um, both of the both of the characters. Um, but that was a real, that was a real choice and, and very bold. And I think the, I, I think it, if, I don't know if it, if it was made as a PSA for why gay adoption is perfectly fine. Totally fine. <laughs> but I think it was done in a really kind of, if, if it were, I think it was done in a really astute way. It didn't lionize anybody or deify anybody. It was really just, you know, Parents are parents. People are people. You know, relationships are hard. Yeah. And uh, this relationship is, you know, particularly tricky. But 
the kids are all right. Um, <laughs> that's my three. Uh, what's your What's your three, Carrie? My three is Far from Heaven. Um, I love sure. that movie. I have not seen it in a long time, but Kenny, all the reasons you said are why I like it. I, I, I she's Phil. You said earlier she's like a chameleon. She can fit in ev- any yeah. time period, and she fits both totally. the forties and the fifties so well and she feels like completely different people in both movies um Mm -hmm. i i I just think it's rare that an actress can do so many different eras and it's uh, far from heaven's great i i guess i really like i also really like todd haynes i had a big todd haynes phase when i was a teenager um a lot of these movies are movies i liked when i was a teenager so um including my next ones (laughs) <laughs> you you bring up Todd Haynes. I think it's worth uh, I, worth highlighting him for a second because I do feel like he's one of those filmmakers that um, he he struggles to get his films made uh, just in terms of the fact that that he's really an artist and an auteur who's trying to sort of make things that aren't uh, as cathartic perhaps as people would want them to be. They're very art PC. I mean, Far From Heaven mm-hmm. is very much this sort of metatextual commentary on Douglas Sirk and and all the various things that are existing within uh, a filmography of a, of a filmmaker that not a lot of people know. Um, you know, looking at Velvet Goldmine, looking at uh, I'm Not There. I mean, he's looking at all these different ways of sort of deconstructing artists and what they're doing and how they're Superstar. doing it. Superstar, oh, yeah, super exactly, <laughs> um, and 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 I, I you know, I, I think he's a you know, and, and thinking about his support of of um, uh, Kelly Reichardt, he produced uh, certain women, and and mm-hmm. he's just he's he's a phenomenal filmmaker and a, and and a lover of the art form, and I think that his filmography already is phenomenal, but I think we're going to look back on this filmmaker in particular and feel like we didn't know what we had when we had it, um, and it's absolutely. And, and another, because of his relationship with Julianne Moore, too, and other actresses, I think he's one of those rare male directors who really understands how yeah. to direct women and female characters in particular. Absolutely. Uh, my number two is Magnolia. It will surprise nobody that uh, what my number two and one are. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a really great piece that uh, Hunter Harris wrote for uh, Vulture a few months ago about the scene in Magnolia in the pharmacy uh, where... Julianne Moore is having just a full-on fucking meltdown, uh, and 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 reasonably so. Um, it's definitely the 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 scene that she's remembered for in the film. Um, it is uh, it's awesome. It's great. It's got all this tension and also humor in it, and it it just it's it weaponizes. It's just the full Julianne Moore, right? Like it's weaponizing everything that she can bring to a scene. She's just the the range and the um uh the the humanity that she brings to these characters that can seem deeply unlikable um is is really uh it's just it's it's she's a she's a tour de force. She's an unbelievable mm-hmm. actor. But yeah, Magnolia is my number two. I'm assuming, Kenny, that it might be yours. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Same reason. I mean, that, that the, the one thing I wanted to add was, yeah. um, you know, Carrie, you're talking about how she fits lots and perfectly in the 40s, perfectly in the 50s. I and we didn't talk about this with the kids are all right, but I love her as a, yes. as a contemporary person. Totally, um, particularly a high status one. Uh, yeah. I thought that was unexpected. She, she's a very earthy quality to her, right? Almost crunchy quality to her. And her in uh, The Kids Are All Right makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. But Magnolia really, to me, is is a great example of just 
how you can take a role that that might seem mundane in someone else's hands and just show uh, the layers and and the the inner life. And you know, she probably only had 20, 25 minutes of screen time, but it was really, really gorgeous. So that's my number two. Yeah, I, I just to very quickly piggyback on that, I'll just say that um, I've read a lot of interviews with Julianne Moore talking about. Magnolia in particular and how it was a hard film for her to do. It was a hard role for her to do. It's, it's a very sort of, um, it's a character that is putting herself through some, you know, the real ringer. I mean, she, she, Mm -hmm. you know, attempts suicide at the end of the film and like, it's, it's just, she has a lot to do. And you said this too, Kenny, uh, she doesn't have a ton of screen time. Like there's not a lot with her in the film and what she's capable of doing in these short bursts is just, I mean, unbelievable. But, uh, what's your number two, Carrie? My number two is children of men, which is, okay. I was going to make it my number one, but I was like, she's not, a big enough character, so that wouldn't be fair. Um, but Children of Men is one of my favorite movies of all time, and a movie that came out and I watched when I was a person who was starting to become obsessed with movies. And I re- I knew who Julianne Moore was. Sure, I'd seen. I think at that time I was like starting to become like the film nerd, and I was like, I think I watched like Magnolia and sure, like all sure. these movies we're talking about. I was getting into those. And this was so different from what I'd seen of her. But And I also kind of knew her as this more like glamorous movie star who's uh, you see it on the Oscars red carpet. So mm-hmm. for me, I was so shocked when she gets, spoiler alert again, killed. <clears throat> it was the beginning of the movie. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because to me, I was like, oh, like she's the main character in this movie. This movie is about Julianne Moore. Um, and like you said, like Phil said, you <laughs> still feel her presence throughout the rest of the movie and her chemistry with Clive Owen is like so electric that it's like kind of disgusting. Um, <laughs> Another guy is, who struggles to have chemistry with, with yeah. his female leads. These, so, the, yeah. yeah. These British guys. Um, <laughs> what is it? Who the phone? Who the phone? I mean, I, I think, I think Harry Styles is doing, is making up for all. He's doing lacked. his best. He's yeah, doing he's his, doing his best. best. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's. I just couldn't not put it on my list because it's one of my oh, yeah. absolute favorite movies ever, and she just happens to be in it, and she's one of my favorite parts in it. She's amazing. Uh, my number one's Boogie Nights. I mean, I, I, I think um, you know. <laughs> What sort of say that hasn't been said about the film, but I'll just say that that uh, I think it's worth noting. We've talked a fair amount about sex scenes. Um, I think it's worth noting Julianne Moore's um, fearlessness is the wrong word, uh, but but her she does sex scenes and 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 uh, she does them in a way that feels incredibly grounded and incredibly emotional and feels very human. Um, and she's willing to put herself out there in that way, um, not to titillate people, but to say that sex is a part of life. Sex is a thing that people do. Um, and I think that that's sadly a rarity. I feel like women uh, certainly in Hollywood feel perhaps like they have to do sex scenes as though that's yeah. part of their job. Um, and I think that Julianne Moore takes it to the next level and makes it something so much richer and more interesting. And I think she does that unbelievably in Boogie Nights, yeah. a movie about the sex industry. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, a movie that I think at the time was misread by some people as being sort of this audacious sex movie. And I don't even really think it's even that much about pornography when everything is said and done, but, uh, what about you, Kenny? Same. 
obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best. What can yeah. I say? Uh, in my in my in my ongoing quest to be more myself, <laughs> I ha- I I have to accept that um, Boogie Nights is like just one of my like five favorite movies yeah. and. Uh, everything about it is perfect and she's perfect and I love it so much. So as much as it pains me to like put it above, like what at the end of the day is probably my favorite movie of 1999, which is Magnolia. It just is what it is. No, it's, All right. It's, my favorite movie of 97 is, is better than my favorite movie of 99. What are you going to do? I love it's, it. It's the best. I also just, I, 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 not to harp on this too much, but I just want to say that the range of what she does in Boogie Nights, we talked earlier about how she should have won the Academy Award, but just like think about the scene when she's done it, doing a ton of cocaine with Heather Graham or the scene when she's uh, crying outside the, the, um, courtroom. the courthouse. Like what she's able to do with a look her her this the relationship she has with Mark Wahlberg in that film that's that's mother and lover and like all these things that that she's baked into this into this role it's it's just it's amazing stuff what's your number one carrie boogie nights <laughs> yeah i mean i went just assuming i mean um, how could it not be but yeah people are probably going to roll their eyes like oh like this girl could well i'm a woman uh couldn't even put magnolia on her list but it's honestly been such a long time since I've seen it. And I, I get it. it's not that I don't like it. I, it's just not my favorite PTA movie. Um, it's it. like kind of, it, it, Mine it's neither. kind of upsetting to me. And yeah, it's like, it's like a kind of upsetting movie to me. Like I, I I've wanted it's to watch it, but every time I'm about to do it, I'm just like, I can't, I can't fucking do this. Um, so it feels like an undertaking, but it, 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 is. it, it, it yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's less daunting for me to like watch all of the Lord of the Rings special editions <laughs> one day, you know. Sure. Um, <laughs> you so, you almost you almost need to plan your day around yes, Magnolia. Yes. You need yeah. to like, have a, have a good breakfast, set the room the right way, maybe light yeah. a candle or two. It should be raining outside, preferably yeah. rain. Maybe it can't frost. be sunny. It can't be a sunny day. No. The candles, the scent has to be right. You know, but it's all you're in the right environment right now. Like the Northeast, yeah. even though it's a SoCal movie, like it does not feel like Southern California yeah. at all. No, it, it doesn't. Feels like somewhere cold. It feels like so, Seattle or like London. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, London has a real London yeah. vibe. Yeah. It has. It's so, almost like the end of the affair. It's like very gloomy and yes, and, yeah. Or Phantom Thread. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It never rains in California, and yet, like that movie is so rain drenched. Yeah, it's the best. I love that it. movie's so. Stupid. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> um, no sense. So I think, like Phil, you kind of yes. touched on this with Julianne Moore and Boogie Nights, but I think she's so good at kind of controlling her sexuality in this movie and in a lot of her other roles, including the end of the affair, like all these mm-hmm. movies, she's just, she has such a, a command of herself and her characters. And I, we're talking about all these movies and she just has, she, she's so good at capturing these people with very complicated relationships with people. Yeah. She's and it's it, because she's so charming and her chemistry, she has chemistry with everyone because she's mm-hmm. such a magnetic person and she can just, give you in just a scene or just in a moment like history with a character that you've only known for a few minutes or a few seconds it's just i can't think of anyone else who really has this unique gift 
No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think it's also just worth saying, too, that, you know, I, I've watched her in, you know, interviews on on late night shows and what have you. And she just seems so affable as well. I mean, I don't know her as a person, obviously. And we all know that, you know, people can she's an actor. I mean, maybe she's just acting that way on, on these shows. But um, she just seems like a real person. I mean, I follow her on Instagram I've, and what have you. And she just seems like a genuine person. She seems to... Um, you know, and and I think that that that's part of it too. I don't get a lot of bullshit from her. I mean, even when she's in movies that I might not necessarily like, I always find her really compelling. Um, and and even like I watched a, a Don John relatively recently because they did an episode of Blake Check, and I was like, and I was like, I get, I'll watch this. Um, she's good in it. That movie's bonkers, but like she's very good in it, and she's bringing a very real lived in person to a film that doesn't have many of them so. yeah or even isn't she's like the president in the hunger games i believe that's true um, i believe that's true <laughs> and even that and that's such a it, that's a really weird role for her but it, it, because it's like so in to it's it's just it's the opposite of what yeah. you think of her doing it's this very totally. harsh and kind of horrible person um, so the hunger games was a magnolia reunion but and a yeah. nice reunion for phil yeah. Schumer hoffman and her <laughs> interesting I, I, interesting oh yeah oh my god i forgot oh my god yeah. he's like, Blue Dark, like whatever. Last fucking movie oh yeah god. it's really sad um i mean both of them are really good in the, I think they're in the last two movies, which are like I don't really remember them. They're like I don't remember, okay, uh, you don't have to. Um, but their scenes are so good together, um, and sure. she's good. But it's it, she. She just has this. I, I hate to say fire in her because she's a redhead, and that's like you know I don't know if that's offensive, but um, well, it's just a little too easy. Come on, yeah, it, it's too easy. <laughs> she, she, she she's just like I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like like a a boomer would say she's a firecracker and that would be <laughs> a boomer would definitely say that and, real and firecracker that, that julianne Moore. yeah and a testament to the boomer who would say that like that's correct yes um, <laughs> they're not, the most they're the generation that created capitalism for a reason you know yeah, yeah. yeah. they know what they're doing yeah uh, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on and talking thank about you for the affair with us. It's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, we hope that you'll come back for something else in the future. Oh, I will. Seen, there's other things and uh, and things we've seen, things we haven't seen, uh, and television to talk about and all that. But uh, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much yeah. for being here. And you'll thank get you, to Carrie. see another angle of my apartment. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait to it. New angle every time. Thank you, guys. Right, guys. Bye. Right. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. 
We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.